Decisions on practice philosophy, finances, marketing, and much more are yours to make when starting your own medical practice. That's the good news. But it can also make the prospect of setting up your own shop seem extremely daunting. From picking a location, to creating a business plan, seeking expert advice on accounting credentially. Legal issues. How do you put it all together to create a successful private practice? You are listening to ReachMD, a channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Business of Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Caskell. My guest today is Dr. William Hutton, founder and chairman of the board of Med Synergies, a medical practice management firm based in Irving, Texas. Dr. Hutton, welcome to the show. Thank you, Larry. So, doctor turned consultant, you know, a physician coming out of residency has kind of been in a prolonged state of adolescence and may not have the most self-awareness of themselves. So when they come out, how can they make an intelligent choice about whether or not a private practice is for them or a solo practice is for them? How do they know if they even have what you need to do it? I agree. They've been in a kind of a cocoon or a bubble and protected. But generally during that period, they've worked with people in town. They've had exposure to not only the academic world, but often to some degree to private practice. Many of them, of course, moonlight and do some other things along the way. So I don't think they're entirely innocent. Mm-hmm. But you're right. Their function has been on, they've been thinking about the clinical side of it, and now they're thrown into trying to understand the business side. More importantly, they hopefully have developed a philosophy that can help guide them as to what they want to do, because to my mind, that's probably more important than anything else, knowing what they want to be when they grow up. Right. Well, you know, I'm 47, and I'm still trying to figure that out. And, <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I, well, even if I'm 68, and I right, haven't either. And right. I don't want it, I, and I don't want to grow up. I think it'd probably be boring. I, I think the but, average doctor makes, you know, three to five moves before he really settles into where he ends up. So, you know, to say, okay, well, I think you should go into private practice— you know, that it might be kind of too much to bite off to begin with. I think if you look at trends, and I just happened to look at this recently, over the last 10 years, for instance, the solo physician, the numbers have decreased around 8% or so, where more and more physicians are going into groups or aggregating into groups of 50 larger groups, mm-hmm. medical school groups have joined, even community health have increased. So, There has been that move away from going into practice directly. Also, if you think about starting a practice, the tremendous amount of government regulations, understanding OSHA and ERISA and all the things it takes to start a practice, and the cost and the difficulty right now of getting credit for a period does make it difficult. It's not impossible, however, and, and it's done all the time. But, you know, these guys are coming out with a significant amount of debt already. To take on more debt seems, to me, not a very good business decision. I would say, you know what, join a group, put your dues in, learn the business, and then come see me and I'll help you start your own practice. If I look at the area in Dallas where I'm a little more familiar most of the people are going in by themselves are leaving another group. They're doing Mm -hmm. exactly what you said. They started with someone, it didn't work out, or for some reason they want to leave. However, we do have some examples of guys who started right out of their residency, and they're doing quite well. So give me a story. Give me a success story that you were involved with 
we have a couple guys that left residency. They wanted to have their own practice. One of them approached a guy to join him. The fellow was just not interested in having a partner, but he wanted someone in the area. So he almost acted like his mentor, helped him start up. The fellow doing this tended to outsource most of his HR and and a lot of his business services, so he didn't have a lot of upfront money. And he was able to start off the practice and gradually grow it, and it's done quite well. Another fellow fortunately had some money available to him, and he was able actually to buy a practice and able to then build that up. It's kind of a special situation, but those do exist. Most of them, as you say, are guys who are leaving. But even then, it's a daunting process. They have to start again, and uh, they have to find the people, employ them, get the employment manuals going. They have to be recredentialed, usually, again, so they have a period where their finances are in jeopardy. So even if they've put together some money, they probably still need to have a line of credit and they need to have some business support. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to The Business of Medicine on ReachMD, a channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Larry Caskell, your host. I'm talking today with Dr. William Hutton, physician-turned-founder and chairman of the board of Med Synergies, a medical practice management firm based in Irving, Texas. And we're talking about the planning phases of starting a medical practice. Dr. Hutton, what do you have to say about the old expression that it's all about location, location, location? In terms of a physician's practice, is it important on where you set up shop and what goes into choosing that location or what should you be thinking about? I think location is very important. You know, if there's a decision tree, and I think there is a decision tree in in deciding what you want to do, number one is what I would call the issue of style. What do you want to do? Mm -hmm. What kind of a practice do you want? And what kind of a person are you? How aggressive are you? Because that also determines who you partner with and so forth, if you decide to partner. So number one is your lifestyle is most important, in which case the location of the practice may actually, whether it's going to be a heavily successful practice, may be secondary to just where you want to be. Mm -hmm. So first it helps to know, okay, I like to go skydiving every weekend and mountain climbing, so I'd like to live somewhere where I can do that. Right, and then you may have to make sacrifices for that, or you may wish to be employed where you have uh, time to do that. Mm -hmm. You may also be someone, though, that's come out, and now you feel you want to be on the cutting edge of whatever your specialty is. So now what becomes important is can you be supported in doing that? And that has to be balanced against, let's assume that you're married or planning to, and your spouse and family concerns. So you brought that up. How important is it to be as far away from your in-laws as possible? (laughs) Well, that could be quite important. (laughs) I'm not sure. I've heard that most guys tend to, however, go home again. So maybe I guess they want to be near their in-laws. And I think there is this familiarity. If you look at where people go to practice, they tend to go back to their home Mm -hmm. or where they train. They'll stay around there. Or there are these lifestyle issues. There's the guys who want to go hiking every day, and they'll end up in, you know, in Aspen, Colorado. Right. Or something. You talked about adding the partner or choosing to have a partner. 
To me, it seems like a total crap shot because it's kind of like when you date your wife, you both kind of put your best foot forward, you both misrepresent yourself, and then you get married, and then reality hits. And so it's kind of a crap shot who you get as a partner. I guess it could be. I think it's a waste of time. I understand this four to five times moving, but I think what that really reflects is the very poor judgment of people. Right. I have a friend who's had three different groups, and every group, it turns out, his partner ends up to be a drug addict, and he has to leave and go on and look for another group. And it's happened three times. So either he really makes some poor decisions, or there's a lot of drug-impaired physicians out there saying that they're fine. Yeah, well... I think you know the answer to that. So, <laughs> so, so, uh, That's another so show. I, I think you can find out something about it. Right. And, and again, this goes back to the style. To start out with, you may have a guy who's just a wonderful fella. Mm-hmm. Maybe you even knew them in training or at some time, and you want to be with them, but they have a completely idea of what the practice will be like. Well, you can get along with him, but the reality is you probably won't stay there because at some point, it's going to come up against them. You want to do things one way. The other guy's doing it the other way. He's the senior fella. You're going to leave and start your own practice. So you kind of know that up front and should take that into consideration. I think you can search out what these guys are doing and what they're like, at least get a better idea. But you're right. Things can go wrong. But by first knowing the fella, number two, why ask him some questions. Why do you want a new partner? Number two, have you had partners in the past? Mm-hmm. What, what happened to, to those partners? Where right. are they? Go interview them. Right. Why do they leave? Right. Do Maybe some due diligence. Do some due diligence. Nowadays, find out the finances of right. this guy. Right. What's his family like? Who owns what? What's the compensation schedule of this group? How am I going to be paid? When do I become a partner? Who's going to be on call when? You know, all these things like this. Look around the office. What's the morale of the people that are there? Are they all dissatisfied? What's the turnover in the front desk? Is 80% a year? Well, something's wrong. You you can get an idea, and then you can ask around the town. You can find a lot in just visiting a place. And I'll give you an example in my own personal. When I started out to go to practice, I wanted to go into practice. I left the fellowship, and I wanted to go into private practice. I did not want to go into academic practice. And I had three different places picked out. And the second one I kind of liked over the phone and the people I talked to. But when I visited with them, I went in and I went first to the university, and they were real excited. They said, oh, it's great. They took me to the meeting of the ophthalmologist that evening. Well, during this period, they kind of figured out I wanted to be in private practice. So suddenly, they weren't quite so happy. When I got to the meeting, I met with the different fellows there and talked to them, and I found out this town was completely fragmented. The town hated the gown, and within the town, they hated each other. And here I was coming in as a subspecialist, which would depend on referrals, and they already were asking me who I was going to align with. Well, Hmm. right away, I knew the town was through. I'm not going to live there. I don't want that. So, you know, you do a little due diligence, and things fall out as to where you should go. But once you decide what you want to do, then the location becomes important because that determines what kind of a hospital perhaps you need to be associated with, what kind of referral sources you need, if you're a plastic surgeon, where you're going to be, if you're a pediatric, you know, what's the age group around you. you got to start thinking specifically for your particular concerns. Once you've 
figured all that out. You've chosen your location. You've decided private versus academic. You've found someone perhaps you want to align with. How important is it for you to create a business plan? And what should go into that? And how do you even make one if you've never made one before? I think especially if you're going by yourself, and even if you're not, it helps to walk through a business plan or if you don't want to call it as fancy as a business plan, at least you want to go step by step of what's involved. I, I like the idea of a business plan. And you can go to uh, Barron's has a little book that is, uh, has a business plan you can look at, or you can go to the Small Business Association. You can get these things. And it's not important to go through it in complete detail the way they're laid out. But what it does, it forces you to look at each issue. It forces you to first understand what you want to accomplish. And number two, then start looking at the things that influence that, the demographics, where you're going to get your patients, the revenue. Where's the revenue coming from? What kind of patients? How much? What do you expect to do there? What are the costs involved? How much space do I need? All these questions have to be answered. And it forces you to put a pencil to it and come up with a pretty good answer of what you need. In addition, by doing that and having laid this out for yourself, you take a lot of the surprises out of it. And also, you can go and present that to a bank if you're going to a a town. Most banks, of course, have bankers that handle private investors. They will talk to you, and you can arrange a line of credit with some knowledge of about what you would need. Now, this is where another time a business plan, you can be helped by having a CPA help walk you through some of that. And one thing, I always think it's useful to have some professional support, primarily a CPA. In most towns, there are CPAs that tend to handle a multitude of positions. So you have access to a person who knows what's going on in the community, in the different practices, and they can help you develop your business plan and the costs that might be involved. On that note, Dr. William Hutton of Med Synergies, thank you for all the excellent tips and advice you've given us on how to start a practice and make it successful. Thank you very much. Again, my guest was Dr. William Hutton, founder and chairman of the board of Med Synergies, which is a medical practice management firm based in Irving, Texas. And we were talking about how to start a medical practice and necessary planning that goes into assuring success. I'm Dr. Larry Caskell. You've been listening to The Business of Medicine on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD online, on demand, and on air. Please visit us at ReachMD.com, and thanks for listening.